What's up, everybody? My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports for Friday, September 1st. Today, something really interesting happened today. I've been running into a problem around my dorm. I see this kid every day, and I see him everywhere, and it's been driving me nuts. Because, like, I, I will walk around campus, I'm like, why did I just see you here, and now you're over there? It's been really confusing me. So today, I solved the issue, and I want to talk about that first. So I was walking to my dorm, and, and this kid's walking towards me. I'm like, oh, hey, what's up, man? You, you live next to me. Now... As I go into my dorm, I see him again in the kitchen, and I'm like, "What? how is this possible? My dorm is all singles, and I see this kid everywhere to every turn I go, and I'm like, how, how is it possible? You're like, what is happening? Turns out, <laughs> I figured it out. On one side is his twin brother, and across the hall is the other twin. That's Of course, that, that makes sense. That's why I've been getting his name wrong for like the couple weeks I've been here. Like, okay, now I understand. Now I know why I see this kid creepily everywhere all over the dorm and why I've been getting his name wrong. <laughs> it's been really funny. Today has been glorious. I, I'm so excited. Football has officially started. I, I like, and the show reflects it today. I can't wait to talk about football. So much, uh, so much content is about football today, and I'm really excited to talk about it. So yesterday, no matter what anyone tells you, Fall officially started, and that's because the first official football game of the year was played. I don't care. Oregon State, Colorado State happened. That's not real football. That's not what we're talking about. Last night, Ohio State played Indiana. And there, there are some teams, you know, this got me thinking. The game last night got me thinking about the national championship. And there are some teams that have an actual legitimate chance to win the national championship. There are other teams that have no hope. Ohio State is one of the few teams that is actually talented enough to win the national championship. See, see, life is unfair, and for some of you, that's nothing new. And for other people, it's about time you heard that. It's about time you learned the lesson. Life is unfair. And for most of my life, I grew up in inner-city Portland. It, it was rough. I knew kids in gangs. I know kids. I've had friends, uh, not friends, but kids I knew from high school that I see in the news um, for a shooting or a stabbing, and it's very sad. I, it was a rough area where I grew up in, in Portland. And I, I, most of my friends had one parent. Let, let's, let's, so my friend Johnny, we'll call him Johnny. I don't want to say his real name. My friend Johnny lived with his dad and his dad worked in a low income job. Johnny's mom died when he was a very young kid. Now, now Johnny's a great kid. Johnny, you know, Johnny's, Johnny's dad drives the pickup that his aunt gave him. And, and Johnny's a good kid. He got a scholarship to college. Don't forget about Johnny. We'll come back to Johnny. Before my junior year of of high school, my family moved to the suburbs of Portland. We moved into a home near a rich school. We moved into a mobile home. We lived near a rich school, but I got to go to a a nice school with good football and lived in a mobile home. It was rough, but it was cool. That's where where we met Greg. So we have Johnny back in Portland, the inner city kid, and we have Greg, the kid from the suburbs. Both of Greg's parents worked at a white collar job. They owned a house. They paid off their cars. They had a family boat. Johnny and Greg. Which of these two kids do you think drives the brand new sports car? Actually, actually the truth is neither of them, right? Greg's parents made him get a job and buy his own uh, late 90s pickup truck. But the point is, Johnny, the kid whose dad works in the dairy aisle, Johnny had no chance of owning a 2017 Ford Mustang. Greg doesn't drive a brand new sports car, but for Greg, it was at least a possibility. Ohio State will win the national championship for four reasons. The first reason is talent. 
they have the talent to win the national championship. See, what I noticed watching Ohio State last night was not revolutionary. It's that Boise State, Rutgers, Washington State, those teams don't have a chance to win the national championship. Life is unfair. They are simply not talented enough. Like Johnny, for them, it's not even in the realm of possibility, right? Johnny owning a sports car wasn't even an option. Some college football teams have the talent. Alabama, USC, Penn State, Michigan, Florida State. Those teams can hang talent-wise. Those teams have enough talent to win the national championship. So while some of those teams do have the talent, when the season actually starts, it comes down to a couple of other things. So the reason why Ohio State will win the national championship first is because they have talent. But there are three other factors that fall into things after you have. So once you establish you have the talent, there are three other factors it takes to win a national championship. Head coach, quarterback, and schedule. Head to head, who's better? Urban Meyer, Ohio State's coach, or USC's coach? I, you know, I can't even remember USC's coach's name right now, so it's probably not him, right? If I can't remember your name, you're probably not a premier coach. So Urban Meyer, head-to-head, beats USC's coach. College football is much more about coaches than it is in the NFL. The NFL's not driven by coaches the same way college football is. Now, this year, there are a lot of talented teams. So when you have, you have to have a top coach. When you come to head-to-head, it comes down to all these other things, and you have to have a, head, a top head coach to win the national championship this season. There are way too many talented teams to just say, oh, oh you'll win because you have talent. Now, next is the quarterback. You also have to have a star quarterback. Right now, Alabama does not. Michigan does not have a star quarterback. Ohio State does. So Ohio State has enough talent. Their coach is a legend. And they have an experienced star quarterback. Now, lastly, plenty of teams with potential to win it all come up short. That's often because of their schedule. For example, USC does not have a single bye week this year. They're out. USC is not going to win the national championship. Too tough. Now, Florida State and Alabama, they play opening weekend. So one of those teams is going to lose and therefore be out of the running. Ohio State, of all of the teams that have the talent. Remember, talent gives you a legitimate shot. Greg had a legitimate shot of having a sports car. He didn't, but he could have. Johnny had no shot. Of all the teams with enough talent to actually win the national championship, Ohio State has the most manageable schedule. But Zach, they play Oklahoma State, Penn State, and Michigan. How is that manageable? How how can they play tough teams like that and still win? Okay, for you saying that, first, Ohio State plays Oklahoma next week at home. That's a home game. They also have a better coach and a better roster. So I pick Ohio State for that game. Later in the year, they play Penn State. And you would think, oh, that's another tough game. How are they going to win that one? Well, they do it right after a bye week. They have an extra week. They have 14 days to prepare for Penn State. Now, they do have a tough game against Michigan. But Ohio State has a better quarterback. So I give the edge to Ohio State. Ohio State will win the national championship this season because they have a talented roster, a star coach, a star quarterback, 
and a manageable schedule. For those four reasons, Ohio State will be the national championship at the end, the national champion at the end of the season. Ohio State is going to win the national championship. You know, I read an article this morning that said Cam Newton finally has the help he needs. Uh, I, I'm so tired of hearing about this. It was about how Cam New- it was about how Christian McCaffrey, the rookie for the Panthers, will help Cam Newton succeed. The receiver running back will put Cam Newton over the top, the article said. I just I just read that and laughed. Not because it's wrong. It, it may be true. Having Christian McCaffrey may make Cam Newton more successful. But let's say that even if it does help Cam, what does that say about Cam Newton? I, I know all these Cam Newton apologists. They always defend him. They always defend Cam Newton. Well, Aaron Rodgers last year carried the Packers to the NFC Championship game. Tom Brady wins year in and year out. It doesn't matter who he's throwing to. He could, he could throw to the guys I played with in high school and he would still win. The people who believe Cam Newton is a top quarterback in this league are ridiculous. The, the best athletes in the world always elevate the people around them. LeBron doesn't wait for the other guys around him to make him better. LeBron makes it happen. LeBron goes out and he makes everyone around him better. He demands more from people. So, like, if LeBron is traded to your basketball team tomorrow, you are suddenly a playoff contender. No matter who is on your roster, LeBron can probably make your team and get them to the playoffs. Cam Newton does not do that. He does not elevate your roster. And everyone is so quick to go out and make excuses for Cam Newton. It's absolutely silly. It drives me nuts. I, I, uh, my dog ate my homework. My, my car broke down. The people I was working with weren't good enough. The world doesn't care. In high school, I was pretty smart. What that meant was when it came time for group projects, my teachers would always put me with the slackers. I was in groups with the kids that didn't care about school, the ones that didn't want to be there. And it was infuriating. I never got to work with a good team of people on a group project in high school. Now, maybe not, maybe never harsh, but rarely did I do that. I always was with the kids that were like, had bad attendance, didn't want to be there. I knew they weren't going to contribute. It was really frustrating. But I always got an A on my group projects. See, the world doesn't care about your excuses. We want results. Cam Newton couldn't make it happen. And now we're making excuses for him. And I will not put up with it. Not at all. Cam Newton is not a top quarterback in this league. If he ever wants to convince me otherwise, I need to see him consistently dominate. I can hear it now. It's, it's really frustrating. I bet next, if next season ends and he has a good year, everyone will say, Cam was a top quarterback in this league. Be quiet. How about some consistency? Russell Wilson, that guy has won with terrible offensive lines. With no help, Russell Wilson can still win. Anyone can win with a good team. Like when Cam went to the Super Bowl, he had a great team. What happens when the going gets tough? When things aren't easy, I want to see how you respond. See, that's what I value in life. If you can rise up in a bad situation, I will seek you out. I want people like that in my life. If you can do well in crisis when shit hits the fan, that's the guy I want to be around. I don't want people like Cam Newton in my life. I do not want that. When people crumble, 
when the going gets tough like Cam Newton did last season, that's the people I don't want to be around. I don't believe in Cam Newton. I'm, I don't want any more excuses for Cam Newton. I'm done with it. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, I want to discuss why receivers are overrated. And later, what the Lakers mean, the Lakers are being fined for tampering. What does that mean for the NBA? My name is Zach Shelmer. This is Strong Opinion Sports, and I'll be right back. Oh, it's a great day out today. I am I am loving life today. It's beautiful. It's sunny. It's nice. I am so happy. DeAndre Hopkins just signed a massive contract extension worth $81 million. And I have no problem with it. He, he's a receiver for the Houston Texans. The guy's 25. He's entering the prime of his career, and he's an elite receiver. He is a top standout receiver in the NFL. You know what's important? It's really important to have offensive weapons. I will point out, though, the Patriots would not have ever signed that deal. The Patriots would never have signed a star wide receiver to a huge deal like that. See, receivers are overrated. So I have no problem. Sign a receiver to a huge deal. Don't get me wrong. I think receivers are great. A top wide receiver in the NFL is a huge difference maker. However, receivers are just a small part of an entire huge machine. One of my friends loves fast cars. He makes, he makes all these tune-ups to his car. He changes his car all the time. Now, and I don't really understand the changes he makes, but he makes all the changes he makes I don't understand, but the changes he makes to his engine make his car faster. I understand that the, the changes he makes to his car make his car faster and help it run better. Now, what if his engine was broken? But what if he still made all these little changes? He made all these little tune-ups, but there's a hole in his engine. The car wouldn't be any faster. The car wouldn't even work. See, those tune-ups are irrelevant without the base fact that you're driving an engine that works. You have to have a working engine to make your car faster with tune-ups. A football team is very similar to this. Receivers are great. Receivers are awesome. But receivers are completely irrelevant if you don't have a quarterback. Or if you don't have an offensive line to protect. You have to have an offensive line to protect your quarterback. See, people make this mistake all the time. Receivers are like the third most important thing on an offense. Your quarterback, then you have to have your offensive line, and then it comes down to your offensive weapons, like your receivers and your running back, stuff like that. Schemes beat defenses. Receivers don't have to be amazing athletes. Often it's about your scheme. A good play design can get average receivers wide open. Look look at the Patriots. I I won't bore you the details of man coverage, but the Patriots have won year in and year out without top receivers. The Patriots beat you because they have smart play calling and not because they have the best wide receiver in the league. Without a good offensive quarterback, or without a good offensive line and without a good quarterback, your megastar receiver is completely useless. You know, for years we saw Calvin Johnson play for the Lions. If Calvin Johnson was the best receiver in the league, why did the Lions still struggle? Now, I'm, I'm saying Calvin Johnson was the best receiver in the league, but he didn't make a single difference. The Lions, the Lions never won a Super Bowl. They, I don't think they even won a playoff game while Calvin Johnson played for them. See, having a great receiver helps. 
I think this. I think the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl this year, and part of that is because Tom Brady finally has an offensive weapon. But you got to worry about the engine first. Great receivers don't win you Super Bowls. You can tune up your car. You can make improvements all you want. Add a spoiler. They're great. But if you, if you have a hole in your engine, you will not win a race. Do you get the analogy? Do you get the point? That's why Odell, De- Odell Beckham Jr. getting a huge contract is ridiculous to me. The Giants wide receiver wants to be the highest paid receiver. Not just the highest paid receiver. Odell Beckham Jr., the Giants receiver, wants to be the highest paid player in the NFL. Odell Beckham Jr., he's a big deal. He makes the Giants more interesting. He has like a gravitational pull in New York, and they need that. Odell Beckham Jr. deserves a lot of money. He's an all-star. He's, he's probably the best receiver in the league right now. But I would never, I would never, ever make him the highest paid player in the NFL. It will always be a quarterback, and it always should be a quarterback. And offense, honestly, offensive linemen are underpaid too. See, the highest paid person in the NFL will be a quarterback, and it always will be, and always should be. Remember, a receiver is about the third most important position on offense for a football team. Receivers matter. They make a big difference. But they shouldn't forget their place. Receivers can't make a big difference if the quarterback can't get them the ball. If you have such a bad quarterback, he can't make the throws, eh, it doesn't matter if you're really good. You're not getting the ball. And if your quarterback's on his back because he's getting sacked every play, well, you're still not going to get the ball. So I have no problem with the DeAndre Hopkins deal. But I want to point out that without the other two, without great offensive lines and without a great quarterback, your great receiver is pretty pointless. So I'm glad DeAndre Hopkins made a ton of money. He earned it. He's a huge asset. He's just not the most important asset. He's like adding a spoiler to your car. Great, but there's still a hole in your engine. And I would be furious if a team like the Seattle Seahawks made a deal like that. See, Russell Wilson, I believe, is poised to play the best of his entire career. We forget that even though he entered the league pretty much acting like a veteran, he was a young kid. He took the Seahawks to the Super Bowl in just his second season in the NFL. This is actually the first season I really consider Russell Wilson a seasoned veteran. Despite how he acts, he's always acted that way. But now he has a wife, a kid, a contract. Russell Wilson is now an aged veteran. And I really think this could have been his best season ever. This could have been. It's not going to be. But I watched him this preseason and something felt different. He has even more this season. He's like Drew Brees or Phillip Rivers. The dude's in complete command. He's, he looks dominant. But then the Seahawks have done something absolutely frustrating. For what feels like the 10th year in a row, the Seahawks still have issues on the offensive line. Drives <sighs> me nuts. Every year it seems like the Seahawks start the season saying, Oh, we just need some time. You know, once the offensive line plays together a little bit, they'll get together and then there'll be a serviceable offensive line. Russell Wilson is your future. Russell Wilson is the most important player in the Seahawks organization. You wouldn't put your baby in a car without a seatbelt, right? Yeah, of course not. You care about your child. You want to protect it. You want to keep your baby safe for the future. Yeah, apparently the Seahawks wouldn't do that. 
They wouldn't put the seatbelt on their child. It's inexcusable to say that the Seahawks still have not sorted out the offensive line problems. That's ridiculous. Russell Wilson has dealt with injuries before. We've seen this guy get injured in the past. And look at Andrew Luck. The Colts have serious issues because they were unable to protect Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck has lost years off his career. I hope you're aware of that. Andrew Luck is going to retire earlier than he should have because he had years with a bad offensive line. You cannot win in the NFL without a quarterback, but a close second is offensive line. You need to have a good offensive line. The Seahawks need to get their act together. It's driving me nuts. They need to provide an offensive line that can not only protect Russell Wilson, they need to protect their future, which is also protecting Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is the best thing the Seahawks have going for them. And if they don't take care of him, their future does not look very bright. So it's about dang time. The Seahawks need to figure out what is going on with their offensive line and make it happen. Yesterday, the NBA, yesterday, the NBA made a really good joke. And I saw right through it. Yesterday, the Lakers were fined $500,000, half a million dollars. That is because their general manager, Rob Palenka, had contact with Paul George's agent. First of all, this means absolutely nothing. This is like a slap on the wrist. $5,000 to the Lakers organization is like a $5 ice cream cone for you and me. It's all PR. It means absolutely nothing. This is just so the NBA can say, see, we did something. This reminds me of when the popular kid in high school got in trouble. You know we have to punish him, right? That's what they would say. Everyone knows he did something. It would be bad if we just let him off. Uh, Give him 30 minutes of lunch detention. <laughs> it's a joke. The Lakers winning is good for the league. And the NBA does not want to give the Lakers too harsh a penalty and stunt their growth. You can't take a draft pick away. The problem is, though, It's Magic Johnson and the Lakers. And he went on Jimmy Kimmel and he said weird things. So everyone knows, uh, sounds like the Lakers are tampering. So they got to do something, right? Uh, give him 30 minutes lunch detention. (laughs) If I'm in the league, if I work for the NBA, I want Paul George to go to the Lakers. The Lakers are like the Dallas Cowboys of the NBA. They're one of the strongest brands in the world. My, my dad's a Lakers fan. I know so many people that are like, oh, I, I'm a, when, when I follow basketball, I'm a Lakers fan. How many Lakers shirts have you seen? I see them in Portland, and that's, a, that's where the Trailblazers play. Everyone, there are so many Lakers fans in the world. They're one of the strongest brands in the world. Not to mention, the Lakers general manager, Rob Palinka, is a former agent. That's like me quitting my job and then going to my, and talking to my former colleagues. And everyone talks to players outside of when they're supposed to. How come the minute you can sign contracts, there are always like four guys who already have come to terms, come to terms and made a deal. Like, like the deadline starts at midnight and at 12.01, there's four players signed. It's like, wow, you sure negotiated that contract really fast. It only took you a minute to come to terms and write up a contract. Everybody talks to players. It's a joke. The Lakers just had to do something. The NBA just had to do something about the Lakers because the fans knew about it. 
The Lakers tampering, it's fine. It was just a silly joke. The only reason they were tam- they were fined was so that it would look good for PR. Another team made the news for potential trouble as well. The New York Times recently reported that in 2013, Florida State football players were treated with, <laughs> with favoritism. Oh my goodness. You're telling me. You're telling me that college football players were given favoritism? Oh my goodness. And I guess some kids on the, on the football team plagiarized some work and they were given a second chance, which, and there is a sad aspect to this story. I have to tell that first. Uh, one teaching assistant for Florida State, Christina Suggs, said she felt pressured by the school to give athletes special breaks. Now, in the following months, Christina Suggs lost her job as a teaching assistant. She challenged the system and she lost her job. Not long after that, she died from a toxic mix of prescription pain meds for pain, anxiety, and depression. And that's really sad. That part of the story is really sad. Death, loss of employment, they're always awful and sad. I lost my brother once. Death is truly terrible. It's sad to me that Mrs. Suggs died. That's a truly terrible part of the story. But I want to talk about the football aspect of this story. And I will admit, I was nervous talking about this issue. It's really controversial. I don't want to say things that make people angry. But I do think that the football side of the story is worth talking about. This article acts surprised that football players in Florida State got special treatment. Of course they did. Have you ever heard the term student-athlete? It's a complete joke. It's not even, it's not even real. One of these guys uh, who had academic issues talked about in the article uh, was na- is named Kelvin Benjamin. He's now a receiver in the NFL. When he was in school, when he, when he was in college playing football, school, grades, classes, that was an annoyance. I, I think that you should use your free degree and make the most out of it. Go and improve your life. In fact, one of my friends is playing football at Mizzou. And he just started grad school. I say, I say, hey, great job, man. That's awesome. You're taking advantage. Use them while they're using you. But they're still there for football. A student athlete is there to play football. Especially at Florida State. A school that went on to win the national championship later that year. See, the term student athlete is a joke. Of course she felt pressure to pass the kids In college football, the attitude is mostly that school is an obstacle to overcome. Kids look at it like, this is a hindrance in the way of me playing football. I'm not saying that's right, but I'm just pointing out that's the actual attitude that student-athletes have, that most of the program has. If you're surprised that students at Florida State, not students, if you're surprised that Florida State football players are getting preferential treatment, you must live under a rock. Of course they are. College football is a billion-dollar industry. Billion-dollar business. Hardly anyone involved cares about academics. No one cares about your grades. The term student-athlete in Division I football is a hoax. It's a joke. It's not real. They're athletes that take classes so they can play football. Some of them, the smart ones, some of them use their opportunity to get a degree and better their lives. But most of them are just there to play football. They see school as an obstacle. And what's interesting is no NCAA violations were found. 
that tells me that none, no NCAA violations were probably made. Because if 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 NCAA if, if Florida State had done something that the NCAA didn't approve of, if they'd made NCAA violations, I guarantee, based on the past, the NCAA would have come down really hard on Florida State. Now, the school may have bended their own rules. They may have, you know, changed their way they viewed plagiarism and cheating. They may have bent their own school administrative rules. But no one should be surprised about that. The mindset of big college football schools is that we can't let school get in the way of football. I'm going to take another short break, grab some water, clear out my throat. When I return, I think Isaiah Thomas's career has reached its peak. Lane Kiffin is back. Remember him? To end the show, I will share my favorite quarterback story going into the college football season. My name is Zach Schellner. This is Strong Opinion Sports, and I'll be right back. Ah, man, I love doing this so much. I really love recording. I love sharing my opinions. I love talking. Thank you so much for listening. If you are, I, I really appreciate that. This is so much fun. I want to talk about Isaiah Thomas. So we all now know way more details about Isaiah Thomas's injury than we did before. Apparently, Isaiah Thomas still isn't even running. And he was quoted talking about his injury, and he said this. He said that his hip injury wouldn't have, would not have a long-term impact on his career. Uh, if it's not a big deal, why do you have to say that? I just want to point out, if he's thinking about it and talking about it, eh, there might be more to that than you're saying. Just saying. I disagree with him. First of all, of course he would say that. Of course he would say, this isn't going to affect my career down the road. He doesn't want to hurt his brand. Secondly, it does have an impact on his career. It will, this will keep him. This injury will keep Isaiah Thomas from signing a long-term deal worth a lot of money. And it removes all the faith I had in him. The way he plays, like an energizer bunny, Isaiah Thomas is going to wear out fast. See, see, Russell Westbrook isn't going to play the way he played last year forever. He can't keep it up. It just, it's too much. This is the first string of many injuries Isaiah Thomas will have to deal with. Isaiah Thomas is a small guy, and the way he style the, the style he plays is really hard on your body. Like like Steph Curry, Steph Curry's gonna play forever. You can shoot jumpers to, like look at Ray Allen. Ray Allen shot jumpers till he was like 40. Ray Allen was able to play forever. He shot jumpers. He didn't attack the rim. He didn't run all over the place like an energizer bunny. Look at what happened to Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose's career just plummeted. Isaiah Thomas plays exactly the same way Derrick Rose did. This fast play style, this, this running all over the place, attacking the basket, scoring at the rim. It's really hard on your body. You can't do that forever. So I think this injury, this hip injury, is the first domino that needs to fall in the beginning of the decline of Isaiah Thomas's career. See, Isaiah Thomas has already peaked. He is now past his prime. Last season was the best season he will ever have. In a couple of years, Isaiah Thomas is going to be out of the league, out of the NBA. And right now you laugh at me. Did you see the way he played last year? Uh, We'll see. In three years, come back to me and you will see that I was right. Do you guys know who Lane Kiffin is? Lane Kiffin is the head coach at Florida Atlantic University. This is now his fourth head coaching job. Previously, he was the head coach of the Raiders, 
USC and Tennessee. Not in that order. It was actually the Raiders, Tennessee, then USC. The guy has never once left a job on good terms. He's always had weird firings and all this weird stuff. And last year, Nick Saban, Alabama's head coach, forced him out of the program early. Now, it might have been based on a principle. A principle I, I totally makes sense to me. See, Lane Kiffin got a new job at a different school, and he was still currently the offensive coordinator at Alabama. And you don't, they were going to the national championship game when Lane Kiffin got relieved of his duties. And you don't want a guy's attention to be divided going into the biggest game of the year, the national championship game. And at the time, going into the game, he had to deal with organizing his new team, dealing with recruiting, and also at the same time, write up a game plan for the national championship game. So I understand why, why he was relieved of his duties. Regardless, Lane Kiffin has been through a lot. And I feel for Lane Kiffin. I feel for anyone who's had to coach under Nick Saban. That cannot be a fun job. Nick Saban appears to be really demanding and difficult to work with. Now, me personally, I really like Lane Kiffin. The other day, Lane Kiffin said that he believes Alabama, who lost the national championship last year, would have had a better chance at winning, and they would have won, if he'd been there. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I don't think this is a controversial statement whatsoever. I think Lane Kiffin worked with this team all year. What if you worked on a project all year, and then right at the end, it was ripped out of your hands and given to someone else? Do you think that other person was going to do the project better than you? When you built all 95% of it and the last 5% was shipped off to someone else, and then he didn't execute? I bet Lane Kiffin still has sadness and bitterness about what happened last year. I feel for the guy. But here's why I really like Lane Kiffin. This is why I would want I would hire Lane Kiffin tomorrow as my head coach. Lane Kiffin has been accused of being immature in the past. Now it appears that he's grown and matured. You need to go through hell and back to mature. And I think that's what Alabama was for him. See, I took a year and a half off of college after my freshman year. My, my brother died, so I left school. In my time off, I learned, I learned more than I did in one year and a half than I ever did in a lifetime of school. I worked a couple of different minimum wage jobs that, that really stunk. I worked for a bit at a movie theater. I had a horrible manager. It sucked. Then I got a job at Safeway. At Safeway, I moved up. I became a manager. Now, the entire time I was doing both of those jobs, I also had my second job at the car wash. Eventually, I left Safeway because I was offered even more money at the car wash. So then I worked 13 hours a day, all day, wet, sweaty, and gross at a car wash. That was hell. But you learn a lot about yourself in a situation like that. Though I absolutely hated the car wash, that year, and a half, that, that year and a half at the car wash was absolutely one of the most important times of my entire life. I think Lane Kiffin had a very similar experience at Alabama that I had at the car wash. See, Lane Kiffin has now taken a step back. He's finally letting his offensive coordinator call plays. He's now, he's now delegating. 
he's leaving. He's playing more the head coaching role than he ever has in the past. And I love people with baggage who own their issues. Lane Kiffin has done just that. He admits to the mistakes he's made. If you can own your dirty laundry, if you can admit your faults, that's the kind of guy I want to hang around with. Not Cam Newton. Not the guy that makes mistakes. Not the guy who never takes accountability. And Lane Kiffin, I believe, is taking accountability. I think Lane Kiffin is on the, in fact, I believe Lane Kiffin is on the path to success. And I'm rooting for that guy. For the last story of the day, I want to talk about Baker Mayfield. I love this kid. Baker Mayfield is one of the most relate. He actually is. He's the most relatable quarterback in college football. This guy reminds me of Rudy. First of all, he's walked on to two big 12 schools. Not one, not, but two. That's ridiculous. First, he became the first walk-on, first true freshman walk-on to ever start a game in college football FBS history. Then after his freshman year, he left Texas Tech amidst all kinds of controversy. It was a he said, he said, she said type of deal. Supposedly, Texas coach Cliff Kingsbury, the Texas Tech coach, took his starting job away and wouldn't give him a scholarship. I, I would leave too if that's true. I would leave too. But regardless, next, Baker Mayfield promptly walked on to Oklahoma the very next season. Baker Mayfield has repeatedly overcome the odds that were stacked against him. And that's a great story. See, Cam Newton looks nothing like me. Cam Newton is huge. He's big and fast and totally unrelatable to me. I will never be anything like Cam Newton. Baker Mayfield, on the other hand, is a small, scrappy guy who has fought to overcome obstacles. This is the same reason Steph Curry is polarizing. Little kids, little kids often watch LeBron James and see a freak of nature. LeBron James is unattainable. Whereas Steph Curry is the small guy who's really good at shooting. I can identify with that. That feels like something, if I put in the work, I could become Steph Curry. It's not true at all, but it feels like that, right? Right or wrong... Baker Mayfield feels like one of the guys. He's relatable. He's like the little engine that could. And I love that so much. I don't know if Baker Mayfield will be any good in the NFL, but you have to give the kid credit. Baker Mayfield has overcome every obstacle that has been in his way so far. So I wouldn't count him out for this either. I love great stories, and and this kid certainly has one. I am rooting for Baker Mayfield this season. My name is Zach Schaumler. This has been Strong Opinion Sports. Please tell your friends about this show. I want to grow the audience. Go like the Strong Opinion Sports page on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day, everybody.